As a leader in advanced HVAC technologies, Mitsubishi Electric is committed to continuous innovation around efficiency, comfort, and wellness, with a focus on personal comfort and prosperous communities. Mitsubishi offers a variety of indoor options, including high-wall floor mount, duct handlers, and extremely popular one-way ceiling cassette. Climate systems are great for a single room or the entire home, providing 100% capacity to minus 5 degrees. A full range of control options including Wi-Fi, touchscreen, and thermostats, and simple remotes are available to meet every customer's needs. Mitsubishi's regional sales and marketing teams are available to meet with you and help you grow your business. For more information, go to MitsubishiComfort.com. Espigard is a Hall of Fame member of Cutco Vector and has been the number one producer in vector marketing and manager in all of Cutco in the last two years. He has trained thousands of sales representatives and managed over $51 million worth of Cutco sales. Dane is also a culture consultant who teaches, assists, and executes the implementation of a culture within companies centered around dream achieving, emphasizing the development and personal lives of team members. Dane brings a successful, people-oriented method to market in his latest book, The Dream Machine. Welcome, Dane. Good morning. Mark Madison here. Welcome to Mark Madison on Books and People. Today, we have an extraordinary guest, Dane uh, Espigard. Am I pronouncing that correctly, Dane? You are. Espigard. Is that, uh, is that German? Uh, Espigard's actually Norwegian. Norwegian. So they hail from Norway. Yes. Did you, have you spent time there? I've I visited once and I went ah. at, and I went at a horrible time. It was late February, and I uh, <laughs> re- regretted it when I was there. It's beautiful, but uh, would have loved to have been there in the summer. My son, our youngest son, played <laughs> professional basketball there. Oh, awesome! And after he was there three weeks, I said, uh, "So, Evan, you know how how's Norway?" I said, "Well, the team's doing well. I'm doing well." He said, "But people here don't laugh, Dad. They don't understand sarcasm." <laughs> so I called a young man who taught. English there. And I said, James, what's the deal with the Norwegians, man? How come they don't laugh? No sarcasm. He goes, oh yeah, no, no. That's only with best friend in a bar after three drinks. Wow. I know. It's the only time they let their hair down, right? It's all business. Yeah. It, uh, it, we, we had an interesting experience there as well. My sister studied there. And so my wife and I went and visited and, and uh, uh, if my sister hadn't met her now husband on that trip, I think she, she, you know, it was, she was excited that she got to see different parts of the world, but she, um, you know, didn't have the most exciting experience in Norway. So, but, but she fell in love with a guy from there. So it's okay. Well, he's, he's actually Spanish. Oh. <laughs> he was also there abroad. Okay. Yeah. So speaking of business, how did you get started in business? So I, uh, right out of high school as an 18 year old, I got selling knives for Cutco Cutlery. That was my intro into the business world and, uh, and into sales. At 18. Yes, I, I did that to pay my way through college at University of Wisconsin-Madison. And that's where you're from originally? Yeah, from the Wisconsin area, yep. Okay, nice. So you eat a lot of cheese, do you? <laughs> I Actually, I don't. I gave up uh, dairy about four years ago, which was a sin up there. Yeah, oh, yeah, the, you're, you've been ostracized. Mm-hmm. I just, our family just moved to Texas because they, they got upset with us about the cheese thing. They ran you out of Wisconsin. <laughs> yep. Yeah. The no cheese will kill you. Yep. Well, <laughs> 
Good for you. So yeah. I bought a set of those Cutco knives from a young man that I used to coach. So okay. I, know the, I know the product and it's a phenomenal product. But you didn't stop selling. You kept going. Yeah, I, um, you know, when I, I was getting to the end of my four years at Madison and I was considering what to do and I had spent every winter break and summer with Cutco and I, I kind of fell in love with the, the culture that was centered around personal growth. Um, I loved the kind of the, the vibrant feel of the teams, a bunch of young people. And so I decided to stay with them post-college and I opened up my own <clears throat> own office in southeastern Wisconsin for Cutco. So it's kind of like a franchise model. Right. Um, and did that, had a lot of success right out of college. And so then I uh, got got a promotion to run a larger area of the company. And I've been doing that ever since. So I'm, I'm in charge of about a five-state area for Cutco in the, the northern states. And at 51 million, am I getting that number right? Uh, it's 62 million now. Okay. Okay. Good for you. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's proven to be- so you've been a, doing that how long? This summer was my 20-year anniversary, so it's turned out to be a long summer job. Wow, no kidding. Reminds me of Mr. Holland's Opus. <laughs> you ever see that movie? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll just do this teaching gig, gig until I get my band on the road. Yep. Right? And 30 years later, he's Teacher of the Year. It's, it's been, it's been an interesting thing. I love, you know, I get to work with younger people, which is to me is always invigorating. I get to teach personal growth concepts and, and kind of basics to business. And, and it's also allowed me to still be my own boss. So I've had time and flexibility to, you know, write a book and, and uh, invest in real estate and do some other things that, that bring me a lot of enjoyment. And what a great foundation for young people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I still enjoy teaching just, you know, the, the introducing somebody at that age to the idea of dealing with rejection and, and, you know, no limits and you get paid what you're worth and, you know, just so many different things that I think really matter in today's world with communication skills and, and you know, just life skills in general. That young man I referenced to someone I coached in AAU basketball, and his name is Josh. He's working at Microsoft now, mm-hmm. right? So good foundation to cut co for him. Yeah. yeah. So who were your mentors early on? You mentioned personal development. I'm just curious. Yeah. Most of my mentors came, came from the, the cut co world. Um, you know, one was, his name is Dave Durand. Uh, Dave was in a uh, regional manager position role at that time. And, and um, he, he was a, a mentor early on and I still stay in touch with him. He's, he's since left Cutco maybe 10, 15 years ago. And he's, started a couple other massive businesses, best version media. And, and he, uh, um, he, he was always really great at kind of explaining and modeling, you know, how do you work with different types of individuals? How do you, you know, not, not just speak from your frame of reference, but how do you interact with people that maybe aren't wired the same way as you and that, uh, and his podium skills were just unbelievable. So I, I got to learn a lot from him. Um, I'd say one, one other is actually a close friend. He's about five years older than me, but Justin Donald. And I was always kind of, you know, five years behind him in the business. And so I, I got the opportunity to see, you know, what was ahead a little bit earlier and, uh, and also got to learn through his mistakes, which was, which was really nice. So they were internal mentors, any external ones? Yeah. I mean, you know, Tony Robbins, he doesn't know who I am, but, but he, he was, I, I've, 
you know, gobbled up as much of his stuff as possible. Right. Um, I've attended pretty much all of his, his, um, you know, I've gone to Fiji to go to some conferences with his stuff and all around the U S. And so that, that I really used a lot of that stuff, not just for myself, but also kind of regurgitating that information to my sales teams as well. Tony's mentor was a guy named Jim Rohn. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with Jim Rohn? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When he came to Seattle in 1994, I bought, I saw him, I sat in the front row and listened to him speak all day, but I, I invested $400 in all the video and audio that he had in his books. And I devoured his material for a full year. Yeah. And it's easy to see where Tony's, you know, inspiration and education comes from directly from Jim. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm very familiar with Jim Rohn's stuff as well. I mean, I could go through, you know, a, a list of other kind of, we'll, we'll call it authors or people in that space that I just, I really enjoy their material. So I would say if, if we're going that route, I've got a ton of different mentors in that space. Um, you know, I, I really, uh, Dan Sullivan, yeah. I love his, I love his marketing stuff. guy. Yeah. Yep. His stuff has been great. Uh, Benjamin Hardy. I really like his stuff as well. Um, Chip and Dan Heath as well. So I just, I, you know, there's, for me, I'm always focused on personal growth because I get to teach it. And that's always been a really nice space for me to be in because it holds me accountable to wanting to continue to grow. So you mentioned guys and all of those guys are more or less authors and speakers. Uh, so what books had a big impact on you? What would be your top five? Top five? Um, probably Switch was one that I think I just read at the right time. That, that one is, was, was great. The Entrepreneur Roller Coaster was a big one. Um, let's see. Those two. Grit by Angela Duckworth. Love that book. Yeah. Um, th- there's one that, and I don't even know if, if um, I'd, say, I'd probably say Atomic Habits. Ha, James Clear, another one yep. of my favorites. Yeah, and then um, and then the one thing would probably, if I'm rounding it out, I think that's five. Right, the guy from Keller Williams. Yep, yep. That's a pretty good list. Yeah. I, I just ordered and I'm listening to, and I got the book, but the book won't come till tomorrow. Uh, it's uh, Breaking the Habit of Yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Is and Joe Dispenza, is he the? Kind of a he... neuroscientist, quantum field kind of guy. Okay. Okay. I've heard that name. Yeah, no, it's interesting. It's so good. It was so good. You know, I was like an hour into listening to it that I, that I ordered the book. Cause I like to do that. I like to, something like atomic habits, you know, is so good. You want to read it, but you also want to listen to it while you're driving. So you can kind of reinforce some of the principles. Yep. Yep. That's, that's awesome. Uh, so Tell how is Vector involved with Cutco? Vector is just the the subsidiary sales arm. So if somebody ever asks where I you know where I've worked, I always say Cutco because that's the brand that everybody's familiar with. Vector is is owned by Cutco, and all we do is distribute Cutco products. So okay. um, you know, it, it in my opinion should just be called Cutco Marketing. But you know that it. Uh, Back in the day, decades ago, anybody could sell Cutco. So there was, you know, 10 different small mom and pop shops, essentially, that all kind of sold their own way. And then back in uh, late 70s, early 80s, 
Cutco bought the group of individuals that were getting the best results to standardize. Okay. And that group was known as Vector. So they bought that group and then they basically expanded that across the US. Got it. They took the top 20%. Yep. Makes sense. Yep. Well, tell us about dream achieving. You wrote a book. Yeah. Uh, the, the book was inspired by um, a guy named Matthew Kelly. Matthew Kelly wrote the book called The Dream Manager. And he came to speak to Cutco back in 2007. And I was a brand new manager, fresh out of college. And, and I had the opportunity to make my first ever dreams list. And um, his concept is, is great. And it's the idea is helping, you know, kind of connect people's daily actions to their future outcomes uh, in, in their personal lives. And in that model, they have an individual that is a salaried employee who, you know, helps people achieve their dreams. Well, in my business, I made the list. I kind of did it by myself for, for a few years. And then when I had the opportunity to move and start a team from scratch at the end of 2012, 2013, I decided to make kind of that, that dreams concept, the pillar of our, of our new culture and team, but I didn't have the budget to just hire, you know, one person for that salaried position. So we, we kind of had to bootstrap it and figure out a way to do this more organically. Right. Uh, it took us quite a few years, but we've kind of evolved our program internally to be what it is now. And so um, essentially in its simplest form, <clears throat> we help everybody that's on our team to create their dreams list. We also call it kind of like their menu. And most people will have somewhere between 100 to 300 things that are on their list that span nine different categories from travel to relationships, to financial, to charity, legacy, creativity, that type of stuff. And then um, from that, we we take them through a, a little process of, of planning out the next three to six months. And that's usually enough to get some legs and to get some wins. And then from that, there's a lot of things that we do organically to kind of keep people focused on their dreams lists. Nice. And so when, when was the book written? Uh, it, it, it got released last September. So I was working on it pretty much all of 2021. Okay. And how many pages? Well, how many pages is it? I think it's 180. Okay. And how does one go about getting a copy? I should probably know that, right? How many pages? <laughs> I don't think I've been, I've been asked that. Um, well, and the, get... reason, the reason I asked that is my first five books were essentially bathroom books. You can read them in four sittings if you don't mind your legs going numb. <laughs> uh, but then I wrote old, old Light Through New Windows. And it was like 310 pages. And I was like, what have I done? <laughs> you know, I, I, broke, I broke the mold. I love but it. I had a lot to say, so I don't regret it. And it's a great book, but uh, I'm finishing up a new one and it's coming in at about 110, 120 pages. So back to the bathroom book model. <laughs> I just looked, I was totally off 246. <laughs> See, oops. It might've been 180 pages that you wrote, but when you got done laying it out and printing it, it came to 240. Yeah, two, 246. Oh, there you um, go. Yeah, you can get it on Amazon. And then also this year, at the beginning of the year, I... I uh, I made a commitment to try and help as many people as possible with their dreams. So on my website, I'm giving away a free, like downloadable PDF version. If somebody just goes to danaspigard.com forward slash free gift, it'll take them to a page where they can grab a free downloadable copy. Okay. Since a lot of my listeners might be in their car, I'm just going to repeat what you said. So it's D-A-N-E, mm -hmm. E-S-P-E-G-A-R-D.com mm -hmm. slash free gift. You got it. Got it. Hopefully they got it. Yes. Guard.com slash forward free gift. 
Super. And so what can I expect to walk away with when I read that book? Yeah. So three big takeaways from it. So one would be the idea of, of why this type of a culture matters, I think would be the first, first outcome or, or first takeaway. The second one would be how to set up the initial lists through what we call our dreams workshop. And then okay. the third one would be some ideas that, that somebody can do in-house to kind of keep the culture growing and moving. So what is a culture consultant? I mean, when I hear the word culture, I think of habits and attitudes, mm-hmm. you know, nor- norms, normal behavior, yeah. right? Yep. So what does a cu- culture consultant do? So basically the idea is, you know, working with somebody that <clears throat> is in a leadership position, owns their own business, you know, a variety of different levels, but that, that wants to improve what the culture on their team is. And so, you know, we go through that by first just having a conversation about what do you think it is, right? And then what, what the reality of your culture actually is, because a lot of times people think it's one thing or they say it's one thing from the podium, <clears throat> but when you dig a few layers deep and start talking to people on the team, that might not actually be what the, what the culture is. And so it's starting to identify where we at and then where would we like it to be? And then what are some things that we can do to, to move the culture from, you know, where we're at to where we want to be. Mm. I had dinner one night with uh, Ken Blanchard and, and he told a story. He said he was, uh, he was hired by the CEO of this large manufacturing company in Alabama. And uh, they were talking in the morning and he said, uh, he said, well, so what's going on? You know, what's your biggest issue? What has you up at night? And he said, well, our turnover is like 200%. And Ken said, oh my. He said, so uh, how do you feel about me, you know, going down on the, on the shop floor and talking to the people? He said, well, why would you want to talk to them? They're leaving. <laughs> he said, exactly. That's why I want to talk to them. Mm-hmm. He goes, are you sure? He said, yeah. I said, okay. So he goes down there and he starts asking questions, you know, and he said, why do you think people are leaving? And <laughs> Pretty much everybody said the same thing. He said, it's hot as hell down here. And he said, it's sometimes it gets 120 degrees on the shop floor in the summertime. And he said, so, you know, when people find another job, they leave because it's so uncomfortable. And so he went back up at lunch and CEO said, well, what'd you find out? He said, it's hot as hell in there. He said, "Uh, you need to put some air conditioning in there. He goes, really? Yeah. So they spent, you know, a fair amount of money putting an air conditioning in. And when he told his mother what happened, she said, you get paid for this? (laughs) and i love that story because sometimes you know we can be so far removed from the challenges and the problems we don't think to ask people on the shop floor you know yep Yep. why are people leaving that's a it's a great story because a lot of times you know the answer is right there it's just you know uh, not asking the right questions exactly yeah I worked with a treatment center of all things. And uh, it was the same thing. I ended up interviewing like 50 employees and the turnover was again, right to hundred percent. This is why are people leaving? This is, it's really crowded in here. You know, he says, we can't even use the copier without moving boxes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he said, and nobody ever says, thank you or good job. So I went back to the management and I told him what was happening. They said, really, those, that's it. I said, well, those are the two big issues, right? Mm-hmm. So they expanded the, they brought in some trailers and they expanded the, accelerated the construction plans. And we implemented a, a you know, an appreciation program and abracadabra, the turnover went down to like 10%. And so to your it, point, sometimes the solutions are so simple. 
In, in our business, we started doing one of the issues in, in our direct sales model, we were losing people in the training process, right? So they'd been hired, they'd been set up for training, they attended the first of three days of training, and there would be drop off, right, from who showed to who finished. And so for years, there was always this thought of like, well, our training needs to be better. The material needs to be better. And then finally, somebody had the idea of surveying the people who didn't show back up. And the number one complaint was that the chairs aren't comfortable. <laughs> and so it's the same thing, right? Where it's like, we were looking at, we thought the answers were so deep and large and skill-based. It's like, no, we just got to spend a little bit more money on the chairs. Right. And nobody ever says, thank you or good job. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's like, really? It's that simple? Well, yeah, sort of, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, if it wasn't so sad, it would be really funny. Right, right. Right. What's the what was the most challenging uh, consulting gig you had? Think place where you I, made the biggest difference. You know, I I wouldn't say um, I don't think any have been that challenging yet. And the reason I think is that typically when I get brought in, most of like, they know what I'm about that I'm teaching this dreams concept. And so when I get brought in, it's typically a business that says we're excited about that and we want to move towards that. Right. And so, um, you know, I'd, I'd say one, and I don't know if it was necessarily more difficult, but I think it was a really interesting one. I, I had the opportunity to go into a business that just had a complete restructure. And so you could look at it as, you know, hey, if I've worked here for a while, it's kind of, you know, a little bit depressing because maybe some of my, friend, my friends were laid off, but exciting because there's a new era. So CEO brought me in. He got brought in as a... Uh, kind of a wartime CEO, right? Like, in other words, they were in turmoil. This, the ship was sinking. And, and this is kind of what this guy does is goes in and writes the ship and then he leaves. Well, after he was writing the ship, they offered him to stay on, right? So what they did is they, this is in the, in the food space, they got rid of their manufacturing. So they had to lay off a bunch of people and their team all of a sudden just went to like 12 people. That's it. So it got real small and tight. And I got brought in right as that happened. And the CEO, he was <clears throat> implementing the new vision of here's who we are moving forward. We're no longer production business. We're, we're just a sales business, essentially. Some logistics and whatnot. But, um, and so I was the, you know, called keynote speaker or, or, and again, it was a small group, but keynote activity for this group at the tail end of a three-day, you know, here's the new direction of our business. And it was, it was really interesting because the feel was, was very... The CEO had the, you know, understood it enough to put this towards the end. So they had already gone through and said, you know, the business is going to be different. Here's what we're all about. We're about you. And then at the end, I got to come in and do this dreams workshop where I got to help them facilitate the list creation of, you know, we'll call it 100 to 300 dreams on their list. And then at the very end, you know, small gesture, but, but small in, in dollar value, but huge in terms of emotional, the very end, he told me that I, I got to be the one to say it, which was great. <clears throat> the very last thing that we do is we, we ask them to take action on something like, Hey, you're in a motivated state right now. What's one dream on your list that you can take action to and commit to in, in the next three weeks, or I'm sorry, three months. Right. And I said, and your CEO, Jason over here said, if you take action right now in the next 10, 15, 20 minutes, right. He's got 250 bucks for each of you in an envelope. Right. And it was the, the group was just like beside themselves. People were tearing up. And again, it was, 
12 people, 250 bucks a pop. So it wasn't like it was that significant of a dollar amount, but it was just the CEO saying, Hey, this is what we're about. We're about you. And then at the very end, right. Putting his money where his mouth is and saying, we're investing in you right now. So people were buying plane tickets, signing up for gym memberships. Somebody could sign up for a therapy session. Like it was a really cool uh, end to the meeting. Well, I will tell you, after uh, seven years of intense therapy, my therapist said something that brought a tear to my eye. No habla inglés. <laughs> uh, I knew that. Was I love somewhere. that. I love that bit. It's you know, it's silly, but it's clean. Yeah. Yeah. No, but you know, in all honesty and fairness, you know, therapy's helped a lot of people, me included. Yeah. And uh, yep. you know, it takes a lot of courage to say I, I got a challenge I don't know how to handle. And I, uh, I love these. The, like, this has been a joy to me. Like I said, I launched the book last September, so I've now been able to work with a bunch of other businesses outside my own. Right. And it's been so neat to see people get vulnerable in a space in front of their team members. And so the purpose of the dreams thing is to get them connected to their own stuff. Right. But what happens in the group is that they start to witness other people and people are opening up more than they ever have in the past. And right. so the relationships within the team are no longer these like, Hey, how's your weekend? How are the kids? Right. But it's more, Hey, how about that gym membership? How's that going? And what's, you know, I've gotten to hear some really cool things over the course of this last year from people. Some accountability. Yep. And connection. Mm -hmm. I, I remember talking to a therapist in my uh, late twenties, early thirties, and I was complaining about my parents. And uh, he said, well, do you honestly expect your parents to change, you know, knowing what you know about them? And I said, uh, well, if I'm honest, probably not. He said, then what options do you have? And I said, well, I guess I could change me. And he said something I'll never forget. He said, welcome to the big leagues. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, what is that? Is, yeah. It's, uh, I can change other people by changing myself. Maybe. Yep. But if I can't, it's still okay. I'm going to change me instead. Yep. So last question before we run out of time, uh, what advice would you offer somebody who wants to build a sales organization? Somebody wants to build a sales organization. I think that you know, there's a few things to consider at first. I think one is, you know, what is the focus of the business going to be? And, you know, who are we taking care of most? Is it the people that are on my team? Is it the customer? Like, what, what is our mission here? Because making that decision will then determine all of the subsequent decisions that you're going to make. And <clears throat> I think when an organization is focused, I, I, I believe that an organization's greatest work is improving the lives of the people that are on their team. And if the business does that, those individuals will treat their customers like gold, right? Because that's what they're receiving. So I really think it's asking the question of, you know, what are we after here? Right. Serving the customer. Yep. Now, having written a book and, and I don't know about you, but, you know, being an author has completely changed my speaking business drastically. Uh, what's next? Do you see yourself writing a follow-up workbook, uh, Audible, or you got another book in mind? Yeah, kind of all of the above. Um, right now I'm working on the uh, pre-recorded dreams workshop. That's a little bit easier for me to get out to the public. 
Okay. Um, I've been asked a lot, like, Hey, the dreams workshop sounds cool. How do I, how do I go through it? And up to this point, the answer has been, get your company to hire me. Right. So having something that's a little bit more consumable for more people. Um, I do have the, you know, the next iteration of the dream machine specific to families, um, you know, basically queued up if you will. Um, but the, the, the next thing in particular that, um, that I'm working for or working on before that is really an application to be able to capture somebody's dreams list. And so um, that to me is helping with the integration of the dream system, which in turn, you know, helps with the speaking gigs as well. Got it. Yep. I, I was ready to write the second, the second book real fast in a, a good buddy of mine, Hal Elrod uh, advised against that. He said, you should be relaunching your, your first book over and over again. He goes, and then you move to the second one. It's a marathon, not a 50 yard dash. Yeah. 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 I wrote my first book over 20 years ago and it's been translated into 10 languages and sold, you know, a couple hundred thousand copies, but I spent the first five years just marketing the daylights out of that book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's a, it's an easy thing to go on to the next book, but it's a marathon, not a 50 yard dash. In fact, <laughs> this is how old the book is. Uh, I would give a talk and there would be a long line at the book counter. And, and uh, I do a lot of work with contractors. And the, the, the man, the contractor would say, do you have this on cassette? <laughs> right? Because the wife would read the book, but yep. the guy wouldn't read it. Right? Yeah. So then I got it on cassette. Well, then a few years later, it was like, I don't have a cassette player. You got this on CD? <laughs> Right. And so I was like, no, but I sure will. Yeah. And then uh, a few years later, about five years ago, people started, mostly millennials started saying, I don't have a CD player. Do you have this on Audible? Yeah. I'm like, well, no, but I will. Mm -hmm. And I do. Right. So, yeah, it's a marathon, not a 50 yard dash. You, do you kept? Do you keep any of those uh, those old relics? You still got some cassettes? Oh yeah, I have the I have the <laughs> audio cassette. Uh, I have the Japanese uh, and French versions. Oh, awesome! Yeah, those are kind of fun to look at when you realize that some guy's sitting in a coffee shop drinking green tea and reading my book in Japanese, <laughs> which oh, is kind of cool. You know? Yeah, I think so. I think it's fantastic. My buddy Hal, like I said, he's got. That is in his his home office. He's got every single language, like the hard copy of all of them, and it's pretty cool to see that. Because you don't, you know, I think at least for me, when you write a book, you don't you don't think about that, right? That's right. something that just kind of evolves into. Uh, parting advice for any young person. In conclusion, Dave mm -hmm. says, just keep in mind you're a constant work in progress, and that uh, the work that you that you do now will lead to your next thing without you recognizing it. So be open opportunities and just remember to keep working on you. Yeah. Persistence, mm -hmm. constancy of purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, once again, to get Dane's book, that's D-A-N-E-E-S-P-E-G-A-R-D.com backslash free gift. Dane, thank you so much for making the time. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. Thanks, Mark. As a leader in advanced HVC technologies, Mitsubishi Electric is committed to continuous innovation around efficiency, comfort, and wellness. From electric cars to electric water heaters to electric heating and cooling, the future is electric. The demand for all of our electric heat pumps have never been greater. 
So there's no better time to join our community of premier contractors and grow your business. Here are some of the reasons why partnering with Mitsubishi Electric is a great idea. Mitsubishi is the number one selling heat pump in America and has been the industry leader for over 35 years. Mitsubishi offers local technical support and has a network of excellent distributors. Mitsubishi's regional sales and marketing teams are available to meet with you and help you grow your business. To find out more, contact MitsubishiComfort.com. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454 or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books, simply go to my website, www.sparkingsuccess.net. And remember, make it a great day unless you have other plans.